Good morning and welcome to the story behind our success. I am Rebecca Rouse, your host and head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Let's get started. Good morning and welcome to The Secret Behind Our Success. I am Rebecca Rouse, your host and head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Today, you are blessed to meet the man who rubs elbows with stars and helps them complete their personal bucket list, the one, the only, Steve Sims. Welcome, welcome. You are considered an expert marketer yourself within the luxury industry, and you make the impossible possible. So tell me more about all that you do and how fabulous you are. Wow. Well, I can't tell you about the latter part because I don't think I am. Um, (laughs) I'm just the same as every other kind of uh, creative misfit entrepreneur. I wanted to find (laughs) out where I fit until I realized that we were never really born to fit anywhere. and I wanted to get out of my my location, my place. I was a bricklayer. Literally, I got kicked out of school at the age of 15, joined my dad's construction firm, and that was it. And I thought to myself, no one's wealthy here. No one's affluent. No one's striving for anything else. So where are those? So I went out to try and find them. I met affluent people by hanging out in bars. And I sound like the wrong kind of person, but I was hanging out in bars. I was hanging out. <laughs> just, just trying to see how they did. And along the way, it all started by affluent people telling me that they couldn't get into certain nightclubs or certain parties. So Uh I started being the man that would talk them into getting into things they weren't invited to. And it went from getting them into a party to getting them to, you know, walk the white carpet with Samantha Johnny's Oscar party or go to the uh, front row of the Fashion Week in Milan. The requests got bigger and bigger and bigger. The people I was rubbing shoulders with went from, you know, Elon Musk, Sir Richard Branson, uh, Sir Elton John, to people that owned things like countries. And yes, there were people that own countries. Um, and these became my clients. Uh, Forbes called me the real life Wizard of Oz. I've also, I've also been called the Make-A-Wish Foundation for people with really big checkbooks. <laughs> I just became the guy that went out and did these amazing things. Um, And along the way, I learned how they thought, how they reacted. And so now um, I have a private Facebook group called An Entrepreneur's Advantage. I'm not selling anything, so that's free. And I teach entrepreneurs how to kind of go for stupid, how to go for the ridiculous, not the impossible, how to really take your dreams and amp them up on steroids to really get what you want rather than what you think you can achieve, which is always far shorter. I love it. Now, you're going to end up telling us that you actually got Richard Branson in that spaceship, right? I actually, <laughs> I'm at, there, I do have a connection, but no. I, <laughs> I but yeah, I do have a connection to that whole thing uh, through Bert Vatan and Peter Diamandis. So it's quite comical how far it's got. Are you going to go up there one day? No. See, here's the funny thing that people don't understand about me. I am the world's most boring person. No way. It's my clients that make me interesting. But, you know, <laughs> I ride motorcycles, I drink too much whiskey, I barbecue badly, and I love gardening. 
So the idea of me doing any of these things, <laughs> I really couldn't care. Well, I was expecting you to have a big, deep James Earl Jones voice, you know, and and then I get this English dude. And I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> That's it, great. It, You're it so approachable. Well, here's the daft thing uh, that make a lot of people maybe giggle. I don't have a car. I <laughs> I I haven't had a car for years, but I've always had motorcycles. So literally, I've turned up to palaces. I've turned up. <laughs> penthouses on a Harley Davidson or on another the queen on the back. Is that what you're doing? I've turned up to some places that you, you'd be, I worked for um, Donald Trump for a few years at Mar-a-Lago and I would just pull up on this old Harley Davidson, you know, stick the crash helmet on the floor and go and do what I needed to do and come back out, jump on a bike. So people expect me to be rolling around in a fancy car in a fancy suit Yet they meet this biker with tattoos and earrings that just <laughs> happens to have the Vatican on speed dial. That is so funny. Now, how did you get involved in that? I mean, I know that you were in the bars and you met people, but usually the super affluent aren't in the bars that I'm going to, or that I used to go to. I don't go anywhere. Well, then you're in the wrong bar. Oh, maybe so. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was know, another one. Enough. I yeah, did go to some bars in Scottsdale. I would think that that would have been a good place, but I never met anybody fancy. Do you know, the funny thing is, it's, it's really weird, and this conversation is now going to go down a straight path. <laughs> Just behave. A lot, of, a lot of people expect to meet affluent people by what you feel an affluent person looks like. Let me give you an example. Look at Mark Zuckerberg. Is he wealthy? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Right. Mark Zuckerberg is a billionaire. He's the largest owner of Facebook. He's yeah. very, very wealthy. But he openly says he wanders around in a Gap t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> the guy sometimes looks like a tramp. Now, the funny thing is, when you go into a club or a bar or a restaurant, the people that are really showing off their wealth are the ones that are not wealthy. There yeah. you go. The my guys, par- my yeah. parents kind of were a little bit on the upper echelon there, but we were Wranglers. <laughs> and that's what it is. And we I think cost cutter food. <laughs> I think that's why I kind of did so well because I wasn't there to look for the pseudo rich. I was there to find the rich. Yes. And when I met them, it was a case of, hey, John, what's your problem? Or, hey, buy me a drink and let's chat. I was talking to them as real people. It just happened that they owned Scottsdale, you know, and (laughs) it was that kind of thing. So it was very, very funny. I was in a party with one person and I was over in uh, Poland and the guy owned, you know, half of Poland and he was having this big party. I'm stood in the corner. Literally one of his guests came up to me and gave me his car keys thinking that I was part of the security and he was apologizing that he forgot to give it the valet. And he's like, uh, uh, give the valet boy my keys. I forgot. What did you do? Did you, do? Just, you deck him? I gave the valet boy his keys. You know, I just did what he asked me well, to first. do. Yeah. Well, first. Yeah. The funny thing was when the party went on and my client went up on stage, he brought me up on stage to introduce me. Oh, and of course this guy came over to me later and he's like, I am so sorry. I, am so, I was like, don't fret yourself. You see, the problem is 
the wealthy people act differently to the people that pretend to be wealthy. And the people that are very wealthy are very successful at one, maybe two things. But the difference between a very wealthy person and a not very wealthy person is a bank account. <laughs> they, they really are still the same people. They have different ways that they look at things, but that's still normal people. But how many people, and here's a classic example. You can play this game, listening to this podcast, watch this. When you see the Oscars or when you see those kind of award shows and the celebrities walk over to get a photograph done with the other people, two things happen. The person that wants the photograph or the autograph and watch this, they bow to the celebrity. You watch it. They literally go, oh, can you sign this? And without realizing it, they lower their body position. And here's another thing. When a celebrity takes their phone to do a, a selfie, they hold it up so they are physically higher than the people in the back of the bit. It's all social sta uh, status. It's amazing how we do it just naturally. Mm -hmm. But I've had people that I've introduced to very, very powerful people. And the first thing they do is they put their hand out to shake their hand. And they slightly bow their head and they go, oh, it's such a pleasure to meet you. And the second they do that, they're putting the other person on a pedestal. Well, How can you meet people as an equal with a hope of forming a relationship when the first thing you do is establish that they are higher than you and you put them on a pedestal? That's why that, I'm here. That's the secret to your success. That's the secret. I have never bowed to anybody. Actually, <laughs> actually I tell a lie. Uh, there was a one member of the royal family and the pope, so I did. I did bow twice. Well, that's that's that makes sense. I think that's acceptable. But yeah, so but right. it's amazing how many people do it. All right, so you're known for being super authentic, and we see that right now. This is awesome, and I know that you had to learn mostly from the school of hard knocks, right? I got my PhD there. Yeah, me too. I've got a master's. <laughs> Show off. I, I I graduated magnum cum laude. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, what is the biggest hard knock that made you pivot and change the trajectory that you were going early on? How's that for a question? In my early life, I was too stupid to bow, to try and be someone that I wasn't, to try and put on airs and graces. I was too stupid to do all of that. <laughs> Eight years into my business, where without realizing it, I'd actually launched the world's leading experiential concierge firm, for billionaires, I suddenly got scared. Eight years in, I was already successful. I Imposter? Already had a, Imposter yeah, syndrome? Everyone gets no it. No way. And I thought to myself, hang on a minute, I'm riding around on a motorbike, seeing these people, <laughs> getting them to wire me half a million bucks. My God, I better change. And so I sadly did. Uh-oh. I, I bought a car. I started wearing suits. I bought an expensive watch. I took my earrings out. And I went to a party in Monaco, and this party was during 1997, which, and here's all the name dropping, was the 50th anniversary of Ferrari. And at the party was everyone from the Sultan of Brunei, Prince Albert of Monaco, to the biggest Hollywood stars. And we had um, uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, who was there at the time. This was during the Rocky 
and the um, Rambo and the Terminator. These were the biggest action stars. And I was there with Hugh Grant and Elizabeth Hurley, who were the original It couple. Mm -hmm. And I got all these photographs back after I left this party. And as I'm looking through the photographs, I realized I wasn't in them. This guy with a suit on, this guy pretending to be... He was in the photographs, but not Steve and his motorbike. So I suddenly realized I had become someone else. We often joke that it was the, it was the best party in the planet that I didn't actually ever go to because my, my pseudo-image, my, my doubt in self went to it. It upset me so much that I sold the car, hocked the watch that afternoon and decided I'm not selling myself out for anyone. You like this? Welcome to the party. You don't? Be on your way. We'll be fine. But that was it. And I just decided I'm never bending or selling my greatest asset ever again. Good for you. I'm proud of you for that. I need to get more brave like that. I'm very much uh, my my Southern crazy self. And I call all my clients sire and my liege and silly stuff like that. And some of them get all puffy about it. And it's like, get the stick out of your butt. This is the way I am, like it or not. <laughs> So that's awesome. All right. Now you have a thing that I read. I was like, ask why three times. Uh-huh. Never be the first call. Don't be easy to understand. Be impossible to misunderstand. That's like wisdom from the grandpa. Talk to us about this. Wow. Which one do we go first? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so let's work in reverse. Um, you have clients. Okay. Yes, couple. So in business, there are people that just love you. You know, they're going to love you no matter what you do. Okay. There are people, they hate you. You know, you're wearing glasses. You've got a Southern draw. They've already decided they hate you, you know, and you're never going to be able to save those people and nor should you try. Right. And there are people, the worst kind of people in the planet they're the fences. They're the ones that go, do I like this girl or do I not? Do I like Steve or do I? I'm really not sure. Well, here's how you help those people. Use zero effort to be you. Okay? Don't apologize. Be you. It sounds simple and stupid, but you never want to have a fence sitter in your life. They're either going to go, hey, I really resonate with this person, or hell no, I'm off for a coffee. You <laughs> want to be impossible to misunderstand. Don't try and change your tone of voice. Love if you it. swear like a sailor, swear like a sailor. Be you and attract those that are comfortable in your atmosphere. So, as I always say, there's a difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand. Okay. Do not allow your clients to require any effort to understand who you are. That's the first bit. The second bit, um, and I'm, was, I'll go to the first one. You said, why do I ask three, uh, three whys? We lie today. We lie about what we want. We lie about what we need. We lie about how we're feeling. How many people have ever come up to you and they've gone, hey, Rebecca, how are you doing today? And you've had a bad night. You've got a project that's not quite going to plan, and you've got an a-hole of a client. But your response is, it's great. How are you? 
We do that, don't we? Okay. It happens. We just naturally, it, it's not being vicious. We sugarcoat mm-hmm. things. And you say to someone, hey, if you could do anything in the planet, what would it be? The knee-jerk reaction is, oh, I'd have Elton John to come and play at my barbecue party this <laughs> Sunday. Or I would take over the Miami Dolphin Arena and I'd have a football game for me and my friends. Because those are knee-jerk things that sound cool or make you sound cool to the person asking the question. But it's not really what you want. Maybe you want to open up a home for three-legged cats. <laughs> you know, maybe you want to go on a, on, a, on a worldwide trip to save the dolphin. This is important to you, but maybe it's not the kind of wish that you want to share with other people because you're scared of what they may think. So whenever someone says to me, oh, I want to do this, here's the first thing. Never, and anyone out there with a pen in your hand, write this down. Never give a client what they ask for. Give them what they lust and desire. So first thing is, someone says to you, hey, I want you to do this for me. You say, hey, that sounds fantastic. Why? (laughs) And you will literally get people go, "Uh, excuse me? And you go, no, I heard you. But why is this the route that we're going? Why did you decide that this was so important to you? Oh, uh, okay. Well, and they, oh, that's absolutely fantastic. But why now? And they go, what? (laughs) You're literally diving in to the core reason. I'll give you a quick little story that'll amplify and show you this better. I had a, a coaching client. I run coaching and I had a, she was a realtor. So she phones me up. She says, oh, I'm having problems with this client of mine. I went, talk to me, break it down. How did it start? Things usually go wrong at the beginning, not at the end. So I said, how did it start? She said, well, she came to me and she said, I wanted a three-bedroom house with a swimming pool on this street. I've given her every single property on that street. It's not a very long street. I've gone to houses that aren't even on the market and gone, would you be open to selling? And told my client about it. And she hasn't fallen in love with me. I went, well, you know why you went wrong? She said, no, why, where did I go wrong? And I said, you tried to give the client what they asked for. Did you ask them why? She went, no, I didn't. I said, well, here you go. Go back to them and go, hey, I apologize because I've done something wrong here. We need to do a reset. I need to ask you why I'm looking at the street. Not what the house size is, not how many bedrooms. Why here? The girl actually turned around and she said, well, that's easy. Because when I was a kid, my mum would go shopping with us. We'd go to the mall. We'd go out of our way to drive through this street. We lived outside of town. We never had any money. And she would drive me through this street because this was where all the successful people lived. She said, now I'm doing quite well. I need a house here. I said, okay. Now we know the reason. But how many of us live in in cities or or, um, suburban areas or wherever that the it street of like 20 years ago is no longer the it street? Or maybe, like look at New York and Soho, the rough areas of a city 
are now full of a million dollar apartments. You know, we could understand why she wanted to move. We could understand where she wanted to move to. But we needed to educate her that that zip code had actually changed. If you want to move to the It Street, that was, but not now. The first house she showed her of the new area, she purchased. And she purchased because she dared to ask why. And then the last question is, you said you want to introduce yourself, okay? So let's play a game, Rebecca. All right, you ready for this? I walk into a bar. It's been known to happen. And you're stood there, and I walk up to you, and I go, hey, how you doing? My name's Steve Sims. I've worked with Elon Musk, Sir Elton John, and the Pope. I'm a big deal. How are you doing? What is your feelings about now? He's going to do my drink. He's going to put some in my drink. So are you not feeling as though you want me to stay there? No. No, in fact, if anything, that's probably repelled you, repulsed you, and you can't wait for me to leave. And if I don't leave quickly, you're going to tell me that you're going to the toilet or something and run (laughs) for the valley and get the hell out of there, okay? So let's play another scenario, okay? You're in this bar with your best mate. I walk in. I ignore you because I don't know you. You don't know me. I walk to the end of the bar. I order me old-fashioned, and I'm stood there. Your best mate elbows you in the ribs and says, hey, you see that guy over there? He's worked with Elon Musk, Sorrell, and John and the Pope. That guy's a big deal. Social proof. Now, what are you thinking? I want to meet him. Has the information changed? Nope. It's the delivery. You're right. It's the source. Mm-hmm. So I never introduce myself. Why? Because I don't want that headache. So even if I'm in a party and you came up to me and you went, hey, you know, what's your name? Steve, what do you do? I'm not telling you. And you'd go, what? <laughs> and I'd be like, do you know Nancy over there? And you'll say, yeah. Go and ask Nancy what I do. Or if I'm next to a friend of mine that knows you, I'll be turning around and go, do you know each other? And they'd be like, yeah. And we're like, well, come on, this will be funny. What do I do? I'll get them to introduce me. I will actually make a game of it but I never introduce myself because I want to be there to solve the problem. I don't want to be there to sell you on how good I am. Now, if you have someone that you trust introduces me, you'll now come over to me going, I just, I got five, just like you did at the beginning of this, you were like, I got things I want you to do. I didn't have to sell you that I was credible. I didn't have to convince you that I'm the person. I'm now there just to solve the problem. So I never, ever, ever introduce myself. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with you there, though. What if you have, you're nobody in the world? What if you're, you know, you own a construction company over here and nobody knows who you are? What does a construction firm do? They build things. They build things, okay? Yes. For who? People. Okay. Businesses, so, corporations. Okay, so right. taking that and checking, doing the messaging and doing their sales. The bottom line of it is everybody is a solution to somebody else's problem. Right. Okay? If you turn up as a solution, no one cares about anything else. If I knocked on your door at 1 o'clock in the morning, 
the first thing going through your head would be, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, how the hell did he find my house? I'm going to shoot it. Okay. But if I knocked knocked on your door going, hey, I really enjoyed our podcast. Can we do it again every month? And can we make a series out of it? Because it really helped me. It's all very selfish for me. You're going to slam the door in my face. But if I knocked on your door one o'clock in the morning and said, hey, I'm sorry for bothering you, but I know that you were looking to get a deal done with Elon Musk. Elon's down at the restaurant just down the road. Can you quickly get ready and come and have coffee with him? How fast would you be running out of your house all dressed up to meet with Elon Musk? Right? Because I showed up as a solution. The fact that I showed up as a solution, you would now forget the fact that, hey, how did he know where I live? And B, (laughs) one o'clock in the morning, all of that would go away, wouldn't it? When you turn up as a solution, none of the other stuff matters. You're making my face hurt, son. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, I think. Like, I can't quit laughing. All right, I'm going to move on to something else here. All right, you're the big authority builder. You're the man. You're the you're the dog here. Tell us about your distillery course. I love all the, the verbiage that you use on your different sites and how it's kind of got this uh, underlying whiskey theme thing. <laughs> yeah, so for start, it's not a course because I failed. Um, oh, what? No. No, and look, we, we get educated by failing. We already discussed that about our PhDs earlier. Um yeah. I had a friend of mine that told me, uh, you need to do a course. So I did. I did a 16-video step-by-step, how to communicate, get the best high net worth clients, blah, blah, blah. And I hated it. It was literally kind of I released it. And then I thought, I've just released something, and now I have no connection with it. So I actually broke it down. And two years ago, we launched Sims Distillery again, but this time as a community. Now... It's still got all my videos. It's still got all of my training, but you get me twice a month. I will actually <laughs> converse with you. So, yeah, the, the course we closed down, we turned it into a community. And it was funny because I'm known for having a couple of drinks. And if you go to a distillery, they take the finest parts of, of other things and put them together to make something strong and powerful. And I was like, that's my people. I'm taking the best parts of you. I'm distilling it down, getting rid of the fluff and shit, and turning you into the most impactful, tasteful, potent level of you. Sign me up. And then releasing you back into the world. So that's what it was. So, you know, I run speakeasies, which are private events. Uh, I have the Sims Distillery. And so this whole drinking theme came around. But the speakeasies, yes, there's loads of alcohol, but everyone knows that the speakeasy was that secret underground society that if you weren't in the know, you didn't know. So you had to be someone before you even got that password. Um, And the, the Sims Distillery is my way of basically stripping you down to your core. Why? Dressing it up with more impact and more potency and then throwing you back out into the world to make more impact. That's great. One one of the things we're trying to do with when we help build brands is saying you're you're a business, you're a leader in your community. You need to do something that makes your community better than it was when you started, and that's something that I'm I'm a big believer in and a, and a big proponent. So I love love that concept of it. Now this bluefish. All right, first off, I'm neon lizard. I always get asked. <laughs> 
Where'd you get neon lizard? So where'd you get bluefish? So, and you can use this for your business. Uh, when I would get people into um, events, I used to send them to see a certain person and I used to make up the stupidest password I could. <laughs> if you can have someone walking through your front door, whether it's your business or whether it be a nightclub, smiling, then you've solved 99% of your problems. Mm. So I would have people turning up and I would say, hey, when you get there, you've got to finish this sentence, one fish, two fish, red fish. So they would turn up to the doorman and they'd be like, Steve sent me bluefish. And they'd let him in. Now, you've got some people that would turn up and go, oh, Steve sent me. And the guy would be like, so, you got anything to tell me? And they'd be like, uh, no, I can't be. Steve sent me, let me in. And the guy would be like, sorry, mate, I don't know who Steve is. And would blank them. And I would get people going, I went there and they didn't let me in. I'd say, did you send the password? And they went, no, I didn't. Well, then you're an arrogant prick. That's why you didn't get in. <laughs> and that would be it. And so I got this reputation of certain high-end, high-society people not being, able, yeah, but not being able to get into an event and getting kicked away. And so they tried bad-mouthing me because I wasn't getting them in. And then other people would be like, but you didn't say the password. You didn't get in because you were too arrogant. Therefore, that's an event I want to be at. And it, it grew. But Bluefish was quite simply just one of the passwords. We had this to get you. Have you, have you got kids? Oh, four. At home, not leaving. Then you'll get this 21, 15 and 30. <laughs> I used to tell people, and we had different passwords, but one of the passwords that used to catch a lot of people out was I would say, okay, you've got to name the lion out of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. So the client had to go up to the doorman and whisper in the doorman's ear the name of the lion. And that was a tough one for a lot of people. Another one was named two of the Teletubbies. So they were just like silly little things. So you go up there and go, Tinky Winky Poe. In you go. So, <laughs> so Bluefish was just one of the passwords, but it stuck. Oh people gosh. used to contact me and go, are you that Bluefish company? And I'd be like, yeah, okay. And that was it. So we ended up becoming that Bluefish company. Now, are you still doing it yourself? No, the, the company actually closed. It actually took on new owners. We sold the company. Um, it just, I actually went from making billionaires' wishes come true to focusing on the whole Steve D. Sims brand and getting entrepreneurs to do things differently. We've got Sims Media that does a lot of, you know, similar to yourself, branding, marketing, positioning, speaking, engagements. So now I just focus on getting entrepreneurs out of the way of their problems, which is 99% of the time them, as you know, um, and helping them get that solution out there to the mass market. That's amazing. Now, you have your own podcast, too, The Art of Making Things Happen. Are you still I doing do. that or no? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? It's my excuse to just talk to interesting people. I've had prostitutes. I've had uh, felons, uh, heads of biker gangs. Harvard, Pentagon. The Harvard, the Pentagon. It's been so priests. I get so many. It's such an array of people. But the focus on it is how can I get you involved in an interesting conversation that's mm -hmm. going to challenge the way you do things? And right. if you're listening to a guy that got out of jail 
for serving life in prison, or you're talking to a Fortune 500 you know, technophile from Silicon Valley, anything that will challenge you to do differently is the kind of person I want to have on my show. That's awesome. I love it. I love having people like you. They have so much energy and just so much fun. All right, now your book that you put out, The Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, isn't that it? Right? Yeah, it's done really well. It's It's been um, number one and translated in Mandarin, Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese, Korean, sold out in Poland in two hours. No way. And it's just been released in Russian. Uh, and I keep getting these copies. I can't read them because I can't speak Polish <laughs> or Chinese, but just it's nice to have. Yeah, it's nice to have all of these books in different languages. It looks as though I've done ten books, but it's the same book just in different languages. That's awesome. I'm getting ready to to do my first book, and I'm really kind of nervous and excited. Maybe you can throw me some tips. <laughs> Stay in contact. We have uh, we have quite a good system to make it work. That's awesome. I love this. I'm having so much fun. I don't want to. I don't want to stop it, but I also don't want to take up your day because I know how important you are, and the rest of the world is just, you know, banging down your doors trying to get your attention. So I'm gonna jump over to my ocean personality test. Do you know that? No. You don't. Well, it no. is a, it's it's a personality test, okay. and it lets us find out a little bit more about you, which I have a feeling I know most of the answers here, but um, I suspect <laughs> you're going to have fun with it. It's answer low, medium, or high. High meaning, yep, that's me. Low meaning, no, not me at all. So all it right. starts, <clears throat> starts off with openness. If you're high in openness, you love trying new things and having new experiences. Hi. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Conscientiousness. What is your level when you approach organization and details? If you're high, oh, high. in conscientiousness, you're very, very organized. Yeah, I'm, I'm high. I have never moved by accident. I plan everything I do I like I was like uh, some kind of Navy SEAL operation. So I'm high on that. <laughs> because, and another thing you should be aware of, because I'm quite an introvert. So I can't. INFJ? Are you an INFJ? What's an INFJ? That's another uh, personality thing. It's when you're extroverted when you need to be, but you really prefer to be alone. That's me with my garden. So again, you know, that's why when I do something, when I go into a, a corporation, I know the floor plan like I was Jason Bourne. <laughs> Extroversion. If you're an extrovert, you're high and thrive around people and you can't get enough. You're actually, so you need your alone time. All right. I need my alone time. Okay, I will I'm going to circle back around to the garden aspect because I've got a right. brown thumb, a black thumb. Yeah. Um, agreeableness. If you rate high in agreeableness, you are like, likely a friendly and compassionate people pleaser. No, I'm down there again. Really? You're low? Really? Yeah, I'm low. I, you know, if like, I agreed yeah, with what you said, then we'd both be wrong. So, um, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, I'm not a warm, friendly, fuzzy person. Well, you've been very nice to me. You haven't been mean. Because you're, no, because you've been engaging, enchanting, uh, we've been, and it's been enjoyable, and you've made it very, very easy. But I've literally been on podcasts and got, no, don't like this, and just left. Um, so, uh, I would cry, because <laughs> I'm the people pleaser. <laughs> well, I'm afraid okay. I'm not. All right, neuroticism. Neurotic doesn't mean a bad thing. It must, just means you worry and have anxiety, and maybe you get really high stress levels. No. Might get a little sharp-tongued. No? No. When things bother me, I attack it. Um, <laughs> so I don't have room for stress. No one, worry and stress are emotions that benefit nobody. I so know. when I'm worried about something, 
I will wake up. I'll make a phone call. I'll get to the bottom line of it. I will disturb you in your sleep, and I will get that shit sorted so I can go back to sleep. I'm the same way. It'll just churn otherwise. Yep. Okay. So, and your final question for the podcast um, is, I was going to do one, but I'm going to change it out now. If I'm going to say, let me think for a second. If you had to drop everything and you could only do one thing, what would it be? Stay at home with my wife. That's a good answer. Just be at home? Nothing else? Just be at home? That's it. I'm a very, I'm a dull boy, I told you. I, I, I love it. I don't see how it can get more exciting than what I do. That's great. Okay. Okay, Steve, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how do they, how do they find you? Well, I'm easier to get than COVID. Um, <laughs> you can go to Steve D. Sims, D for dashing. There's only one M in Sims. And you can find me Steve D. Sims everywhere. So, you know, uh, Instagram um, and uh, stevedsims.com, sims.media. And you can find out about Sims Distillery at simsdistillery.com. So I'm pretty easy to find. What don't you want to be? Do not approach me with this. And ask. It's amazing. You know, I want you to be better. I want you to do it. If you've got a problem, fine. Tell me what your problem is. But I hate it when people go, hey, I want to get in front of Richard Branson. Can you send me to him? <laughs> oh, I want to meet Elon Musk. Can you arrange that? You know, I can, but why should I? You know, that's, that's the point. So, Love you it. know, come, come with a reason, not with an ask. That's it for the podcast. We thank you very much for being here. And um, we got some questions that you and I will talk about after this. But I love, love, love having you on. I want to be your best buddy and hang out with you. (laughs) I just think you're so much fun. And I think everybody probably learned a ton. I know I did. And it's just people like you just drive us all forward, you know. And that's that's what it's all about. So thank you very much for being here. Well, I hope hope it uh, shook up a few people and they're going to try something different. (laughs) We got a few rocking in the corner somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) Good. All right. Well, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for being a part of the story behind our success. If you are a successful six-figure entrepreneur or an inspirational speaker who would like to be on this program, please visit neonlizardcreative.com slash podcast slash apply. If we're inspired by this interview, we would be honored if you would share it on social media and even rate it. Your thumbs up rating goes a long way to promote the show. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them. Let them know. Hashtag story behind our success. And don't forget, opt in on the website so you don't miss an episode. We have some fantastic guests on the docket. And if you want to know more, check out neonlizardcreative.com. See you next time.